I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. I'm Alexander Chester, and I've gone gray over the last 20 years, but not quite as badly as Ted Danson. And I'm Av Sedensky, and they don't let me into certain states. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. Today we're here to talk about Season 1, Episode 2, Ted and Mary. It showed on HBO on October 22nd in 2000. And today we're going to meet two real-life celebrities who become, at least uh, one of them, becomes a consistent member of the Curb cast in the ensuing 10 seasons, Ted Danson, along with his real-life wife, Mary Steenburgen. Now, uh, my first question is, uh, Ted and Mary married in real life. At some point in Curb, Mary sort of disappears, but I don't remember Curb ever discussing where she goes. Yeah, I think she's just kind of a, a disappearing character who's, you know, is not really tracked through... F- subsequent season subsequent episodes um and that's a shame because she's positively delightful yeah but obviously the fact that uh ted ends up with cheryl means that mary must have gone somewhere uh yes and when we've discussed how this show doesn't really have a canon because larry doesn't remember anything but given how infatuated uh, larry is with mary in this episode and we'll discuss that it's almost surprising that when ted makes the move of uh going after cheryl larry's ex larry doesn't say hey you know i should go after your ex mary steenburgen yeah and you know it's i guess it's possible that they thought of that and you know mary steenburgen is like a real actress so she's not necessarily going to be always available to come do an episode of curb here and there so maybe there was just a scheduling conflict or maybe they didn't think of it but yeah that certainly would have been an obvious direction for the plot to go yeah or even to reference it or mention it. yeah yeah so yeah i mean the fact that they didn't even mention it maybe just means they didn't think of it but it's also possible that they tried and just didn't work out yeah, it's interesting to see which real-life characters in the show, how similar their real personal life is to the character they play on this show. Another character who uh, we'll meet in a little bit, uh, but not in this episode, Wanda Sykes, when she starts in Curb, she is uh, straight because she's engaged uh, to a male rapper. Um, in real life, uh, she was gay at that time, but she hadn't come out publicly. And then she did come out publicly, but on Curb, I don't think she ever explicitly did, although I don't remember her dating anybody, male or female, subsequent to her public coming out. Um, but in this case, again, it's Ted and Mary who are married in real life, and at least in this episode, are happily married uh, in the show. So why don't we jump uh, right into the episode recap. So, Av, we've discussed how neither one of us, I think, saw uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 1 in real time. On October 22nd, 2000, I don't remember what I was doing, but uh, I wasn't watching Curb. Do you remember what you were doing that night? Oh, I know. I actually know exactly what I was doing because that was the night of Game 2 of the 2000 World Series, the subway series between the New York Mets and the New York Yankees. And it wasn't just any game. It's a game which is famous for an incident in which Roger Clemens threw a piece of a broken bat at Mike Piazza as he was running up the first baseline, which he would claim he did because he thought it was the ball. Um, Well, baseballs and baseball bats are very similar. Shape. Yeah, and obviously, as we anyone who knows the rules of baseball very well knows that when yeah. when you think you throw what, it at yeah, the player, right, yes. if it, if kickball it's a, style, exactly. So that's what you do with the ball in baseball. So you know yeah. his his excuse is kind of like a curb your enthusiasm excuse, and I could just imagine yes. somebody trying to like pawn that one off on Larry and see how Larry would react to that. 
alibi for yeah it, it is a very curb-esque one of the curb-esque uh curb-esque-ist uh baseball moments i think in, uh, in the last 20 years yeah um it would have a little bit more whimsy if it wasn't for the fact that he was literally throwing like a broken piece of wood at another person but yes you know yes <laughs> uh yeah so I, I was probably watching that as well probably sitting in the basement of a stringer hall in washington heights uh is probably where i saw most of that world series but uh, so let's jump into the episode recap So we start with Larry and Cheryl are bowling with Ted and Mary. And it's clear that this is, if not the first, one of the first uh, interactions between the two of them as couples. Uh, the first thing that, that one notices is that uh, Ted's hair is totally brown. As I said in the intro, my hair has aged almost as badly as his has, but uh, he's totally gray now in 2020. On the other hand, in this episode, we'll see that Ted has quite a bald spot, which he seems to magically have regrown over the last few years because now he has a, a luscious head uh, filled with gray hair. So, um, yeah, so the silver fox. science has done incredible things over the last 20 years. Yes. Um, and it was funny. So I was watching this episode with my wife and she was quick to point out that while Ted Danson has like obviously aged tremendously over the last 20 years, he's like a different person. Larry David looks basically the same. So I don't know if yeah. that's a credit to Larry or just like, at 20 years ago, Larry, but it's, it's very uh, unsettling how much Ted Danson has aged compared to Larry, who is, you know, you wouldn't even necessarily know that this is a different person. Yeah. And, and Larry, I mean, when you see pictures of him from the 80s, you know, he had like a massive afro and so larry did age at some point but once he sort of hit that 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 status of where he was by the late 90s he sort of has stayed the same now my wife did say that she thought and this is in reference to a uh, an episode in season 10 when larry's uh, going on dates with people that she thinks larry david is one of the least sexually attractive men she's ever seen so but at least he's uh, not getting any older so yeah right so at least he's not you know de- deteriorating from that he's yeah not he's not getting worse, getting worse. he's yes. like he's stuck in position his exact position for the last 20 years so right. Exactly. He's, uh, you know, right in, the, right in the meaty part of the curve. Yeah, and, and that might be one of the reasons why uh, Ted is uh, so willing to to hang out with Larry, because he, I guess he doesn't think that he's uh, Larry's much of a threat for his wife, even though uh, Larry clearly has a thing for Mary, as, as we'll discuss in this episode. Yeah, we'll get, uh, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, yeah he, he is not at all threatened by Larry. Yes. Uh, Ted and Mary, uh, ironically, as we will learn uh, in later seasons, uh, Larry should have had a reason to be threatened by Ted. But um, Ted and Mary have such a good time bowling with uh, Larry and Cheryl. Uh, Larry, by the way, uh, wins the uh, the couple's match uh, by uh, knocking down every pin on, on his final uh, roll of the evening. That uh, they invite them, they uh, Ted and Mary invite Larry and Cheryl to join them in a box for a Paul Simon concert the, this weekend. Uh, this weekend, a very vague way to describe uh, uh, plans, I would say. Yes, and the, uh, the vagueness will come up, as we'll soon yes. see. <laughs> and then Larry tries to return his bowling shoes... But the alley has accidentally mixed up his shoes with someone else's, and the other guy took Larry's shoes. And the guy at the alley promises to call Larry if he finds his shoes. Now, I go bowling from time to time. They don't take your shoes anymore. Did they used to do this? I don't remember. They definitely used to. I haven't gone in a very long time. But for yeah. sure, the way they do it here is what I am accustomed to at bowling. They, you give them their shoes. They put them in the little boxes. And you take their shoes. And they kind of hold your shoes as security until you give back yeah. their shoes. Um, I have to say, this whole, like, you have to get special shoes to bowling things I, I should be totally updated. There's, they should need to figure out a way that you can just wear your own shoes to bowl. Like, bowling is, is not yeah. in, you know important enough of an activity to warrant. It's not yeah. skiing. It shouldn't yeah, warrant it's, not, it's, yeah. its own type of shoes. Like you know, yeah. It's if you're showing up in like dress shoes, right? It, that's one thing. But if you're wearing sneakers, you should. Yeah, it's very strange. Fine. Yes. Um, all right. So Larry and Cheryl come home from their double date. Uh, Cheryl asks Larry if the concert is Friday or Saturday, because again, all we know is that it's quote this weekend. 
Larry says that he heard Ted tell Mary that the concert's on Friday. Uh, Larry and Cheryl then agree that Ted and Mary are a good couple. They hope they hope that Ted and Mary think that they're a good couple. Cheryl says that she uh, likes Ted and that he's so funny, which again is uh, foreboding. Um, Larry loves Mary, but he says that he could uh, he could take or leave Ted. Uh, his he has two issues with Ted. The first one is that Ted describes everything as heaven, and the second one is that uh, Ted asked Larry questions about his personal hygiene. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl then sarcastically says, "Yeah, it must be hell living with Ted Dance, and that must be really hard." So again, very foreboding here. <laughs> yeah, and this is uh, foreboding not just for this series, but the fact that we just concluded a series in which Ted Danson plays one of the architects of heaven and hell in the good place was uh, I was just all over that in this season. Yes. Just here, hearing yeah, so he Ted really talks. Knows what, the, yeah, what, he, what is heaven. Yes. he knew. Yeah, he knew what was coming. Yeah, Larry is also impressed by the way that Ted and Mary are friends with the Clintons. That will also come up, obviously. Um, that's the uh, uh, che- Chekhov's Clinton. Yeah, and just to get our our timing right, there Bill Clinton was still president of the United States while this episode aired. So it's even more impressive than then that things that would seem today that it's a sitting president, yes. and first lady, that they are. Yes, it's, it's, you know, he, it's, it's the final year of his presidency, but uh, he's got nothing else to do but hang out with uh, with uh, the Dance and Steen Virgins. The, yes. fa- the famous two thousand election was just a few weeks away. Yes. Uh, by the way, I think there's a rule in this in this show, and we saw it in episode one with uh, with Kathy Griffin, and we see it in this episode with the Clintons. That if a celebrity, if a person is mentioned in the first five or ten minutes of the episode, again, it's it's Chekhov's uh, celebrity. There's a guarantee that they will make an appearance. Uh, I mean, we may not see them on screen, but that they will make an appearance in the narrative by the end of the episode. Yeah, and our uh, uh, usually to uh, Larry's bad luck. Yeah, and on our foreboding theme, Larry says to Cheryl, "I'd soon as just be friends with her, and you be friends with him," which. You know, we'll call those famous yes. last words. Yes. Uh, Larry goes on and on about how Mary is such a beautiful person inside and out, and how he wishes he could befriend Mary, but society frowns upon cross-gender friendships between married couples. This was a little annoying to me because literally in last week we saw that Larry went to a movie with Nancy. Yeah, this is... So clearly it was possible for a married man to have a cross-gender yeah, this, friendship. Yeah, this is a totally insane plot point. I mean, you know, yes. it's one thing to not care about continuity. Like, you know, if somebody appears in three seasons from now and they don't have the same backstory, fine. But, like, this is literally back-to-back episodes where, like, the major plot device contradicts each other in terms of Cheryl and Larry's respective yeah. positions on cross-gender friendships. Yeah, and if anything, the fact that Nancy, I think as far as we know, is not part of a couple, if anything, should make being friends with her even more of a risk from Cheryl's perspective because it's more likely that she would, you know, possibly do something with Larry, as she did by rubbing his arm and, you know, allegedly causing an erection, than than Mary Steenburgen, who would have to leave, you know, rich and famous and attractive Ted Danson. So it's much, much less likely to happen. But anyway, uh, the next morning, Larry's drinking his coffee, reading the paper. The phone rings. It's Mary. And Larry's already on a first-syllable basis with her. He calls her Mayor on the phone. Did you notice that? Um, I didn't, but I did really enjoy this, seeing this, you know, one end of the conversation, and it really just, like, fills you in on everything. It's, it's, uh, it's a well-written, yeah. it's a well-written uh, scene there. Yes. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, Keeva Wienerker uh, also calls his wife Mayor. So uh, the, the, the Keeve relationship to his wife is about similar to, at this point, the relationship between Larry David and Mary Steenburgen. Larry tells Mary that last night was heaven, uh, and then he acts surprised when he is uh, uh, presumably informed, based on what he says, that uh, that Ted uses that expression as well. Which there's several times in this episode where Larry lies to Mary or Ted about the other one in a way that would easily be like caught, right? Like he lies to Ted later on when he's wearing the jacket. He pretends that he doesn't know that Mary has the same jacket. He lies here, but like it just seems very odd to me because like 
in all of these circumstances, Mary and Ted would speak to each other and immediately say, oh, Larry was lying about that. Like, why would we want to be friends with somebody who just makes, like, these random, unnecessary, small little lies? Yeah, he's certainly behaving like someone who wants to get caught for having an affair that he's not having. Yes, exactly. Which, again, was very similar to, uh, not episode one, but in the in the special that uh, preceded the, the, the show when he's uh, going for a walk with Jeff's girlfriend in New York. And again, he's, he's there. He's very worried about getting caught having an affair that he's not having as well. So. <laughs> so anyways, Larry asks Mary what she's doing right now, and he invites himself to tag along on a shopping trip to Barney's. So he tags along. He, he's hanging out with Mary and her mom, who is from Arkansas, and like Mary, is very friendly with the Clintons. That has to be mentioned. And we see Mary is now on a first little basis with Lair as well. So Larry's calling Mary Mayor. Mary's calling Larry Lair. Larry's very charming with Mary and her mom, Anne. Uh, he calls himself incorrigible. And uh, Mary is so impressed that Larry loves to shop. Uh, Larry then, uh, and this is a an, an obvious reference to Seinfeld, Larry rubs the fabric on Mary's jacket, which once backfired spectacularly on George. But it works for uh, for Larry here because uh, Mary encourages him to buy the very same jacket because Mary likes to, uh, likes men's jackets. And she says she would be honored if Larry and her would uh, have the same coat. So, uh, so far, everything is uh, coming up roses for Larry David in this episode. Yeah, he's uh, he's doing very well. He's uh, charmed these women off his feet. Uh, I think Mary even makes a comment about how maybe she should have married him. Yes. And, you know, he's uh, they're getting really chummy. Yeah. Now Larry tries to replace the shoes that he lost at the bowling alley. The shoe salesman, by the way, did not look like an employee. He was sort of wearing casual clothes and just hanging out there. I thought that was a little yeah. odd. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Well, as we as we mentioned last week, sometimes they let actors just wear their own clothes. But yeah, <laughs> probably probably this is one where he should have gotten costume. Yes, but they don't have his shoes in his size, so anyways, he orders them uh, from the man. Uh, now Larry's at lunch with Mary and her mom Anne, and again he's so charming that as you said, Anne says, "Mary, you should have married this man." Uh, Larry then lies and says he likes to cook, which Mary says is so sexy, and sort of acts you know surprised by that. But Mary says, "Oh, it's okay. We're friends. We can say things like that." Um, Anyways, Larry ruins it all, of course, by by choking and making a disgusting noise as he drinks from a cup of water that Anne says is actually hers. Um, it was unclear to me if he noticed at that moment that they were offended. Now, we learn later that he did, but because if he did, then why didn't he just like nonchalantly like play it off and say that he thought he was choking or something? Like, Why does he like not address this at the I time? Th- I think he tries to by like... He first says like blah or like makes a noise and then he starts choking and I think he was trying to cover it up. I don't know if you've ever ha- had this where you went, when I'm sometimes, uh, when I used to go to uh, synagogue, there's a part where you're supposed to bang on your chest, and sometimes you, you're not supposed yes. to do it, and I do it by accident, and therefore, and when, I, when it happens, you think you've like gotten caught by the entire synagogue, so I start like yeah. scratching myself yeah. all over to make it look like I wasn't doing that, like lest yeah. I be embarrassed that I accidentally yes. smacked my heart when I was not yet supposed to. In a, yes, I've done the same thing with bowing and with covering your eyes, yes, where you sort of fake, oh, I'm just rubbing my eyes or something. Yeah, because... Because obviously having a rash all over my chest is less embarrassing than ac- accidentally yes. striking at the wrong time. Yes, exactly. Also, as if anybody's actually watching exactly. us. But anyway. Um, so Larry comes home from his uh, shopping excursion. And uh, Cheryl finds it quite bizarre that he went shopping for the first time in his life uh, when Mary goes. Because he's turned down Cheryl's every request to go shopping. Uh, and so now Larry's crush uh, seems like it maybe is causing some minor problems in his marriage. Then when Larry mentions Mary's mom being there, yeah. Cheryl seems even more upset. Yeah, that's very... Which I would think the presence of a third party would make the date less problematic. Yeah, it, this is very bizarre, especially with the mother. Like, you would, you know, if anything was yeah. going on, like, fine, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But if her mom is there, then, like, certainly this is a totally harmless interaction that yes. she should not be worried about. I don't believe that... 
that Mary Steenburgen's mother would have been okay, her daughter having an affair with Larry David, and she would be yeah, unless so, unless yes. Cheryl is worried that there's a little bit of a menage a trois going on here. <laughs> Larry has managed to seduce the mother and the daughter. That's right. I don't think. I mean, this is on HBO, and uh, it, you know, it's uh, it's it's uh, uncensored. But I don't think that we're getting that in episode two. Although we have an upcoming episode very soon in the season, where uh, in fact it's next week, I believe, where <laughs> uh, things will take a, a turn into yeah, the so. Uh, pornographic. So uh, that, that's a, that's a spoiler for next episode. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ted comes by to drop off the Barney's bag because Mary and Larry accidentally swapped bags, so they were swapping something anyway. Um, he makes some sarcastic jokes about Larry being a shopper, not being into sports, and that, um, and that, as I said before, Larry unnecessarily lies about not knowing that him and Mary have the same jacket. And Ted mocks him and says, you know, he should call Mary before the Paul Simon concert to figure out what to wear. So clearly, at this point, the intention is for them to still go to the concert, and and this interaction happens after Ted has obviously gotten the download on the shopping trip. And so, if there was a concern about his choking, then. Ted wouldn't have mentioned here to Larry the Paul Simon concert, right? Uh, you would assume, you know, if, if they came home from lunch and were like, that Larry David, he did the rudest thing today, there's no way yeah. I'm, we're ever going anywhere with him, then Ted probably, A, wouldn't even necessarily have gone over to get the bag. Maybe they would have figured out a different way to get it from him. He definitely wouldn't be friendly, and he certainly wouldn't confirm that the Paul Simon concert is still on. Yeah. So we'll get to that scene in a little bit, but it's curious to me why Larry and Cheryl assume that's the cause. But anyway, so Larry comes to his office. It's now Wednesday, and he's a little worried because Ted and Mary still haven't called about the concert. But Louie from the bowling alley is called to say that the guy with the shoes is back, and he's there right now. And so uh, Larry runs over to the bowling alley to confront uh, the man with Louie promising to back him up. This is a very odd scene. This guy is like a sarcastic asshole who like blames Louie. For him having stolen the shoes, like he stole the shoes, but he somehow says it's Louis's fault that Louis gave him the shoes. But then, nevertheless, he then agrees to give Larry the shoes back, which uh, in a Seinfeld uh, Kramer-esque uh, line, I will note that these are the very shoes he walked in with. Yes. So, um, and, and Larry doesn't bring the uh, the old gross sneakers, which actually I think he left them at the bowling alley, right? He didn't take them. He walked out barefoot last time. Yeah, he left them. Um, yeah, this guy really does everything possible to make you want to punch him in the face repeatedly through this yes. scene. Like, he's just, like, totally indignant as if, like, oh, like, what was I supposed to do? The guy gave me the wrong shoes. You should be, you should yeah. be angry at him. And yeah. uh, Larry has this great line where he's like, no, that's a mistake. What's weird is that you would put them on. That's what's weird. And, yeah. it was like, and we're like, yeah, I mean, you have, what you did is totally indefensible here. Um, he's yeah. just like, I, there's like he has no side to his position here at all that's at all justifiable and like but somehow he feels like he's the one that's been wronged somehow that these comfortable shoes are being taken away from him yeah very very odd he's also a, a guy who's uh going bowling solo like randomly in the middle of a weekday so uh you would think that somebody like that would be a pretty serious bowler and might even have their own shoes but uh, but what do i know yeah, maybe maybe he's like a creepy guy, and like he was, he thought he was be- being caught for something else, and then was just like happy to just have to give away shoes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, you mentioned synagogue before, so when one goes to synagogue, you uh, you know you're there with you know many many other people, and the coat room is sort of a free for all, and a lot of people have similar looking coats, and so to avoid having a, a a situation with like with these shoes with my coat, I always try to make a point if I'm wearing a coat that you know like a generic sort of black overcoat to leave something in my pocket that would uh, clearly be mine so that if someone uh, puts their hand in the pocket when they're leaving, they'll notice if they take my jacket because otherwise it's not uncommon to have uh, people accidentally take the wrong jackets from synagogue on occasion. So you're like filling filling um, your pockets with slime to like screw over? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, not, not something that would be unpleasant. 
just something that someone puts their hand in their pocket and says, oh, I don't remember bringing a, a, a flask to synagogue. This must not be right. my jacket. An- another <laughs> thing that really bugged me about this scene, and it's, it, we'll go back to something I mentioned last week. So this this scene takes place probably about two-thirds of the way into the episode. And when the, se- when the scene ends with L- Larry getting the sneakers back, the Curb theme plays, and I thought this was the end of the episode, which would have been a very weird place for the episode to end, but like it was enough time in that like it was possible. But then all of a sudden, a new scene happens. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm just going to have to get used to the theme in the middle of the episode going forward. Now, I-, I would guess that back in 2000, this is pre-streaming, like HBO was showing shows more on like a, on a half-hour timetable, so I would guess that the, the length of episodes is probably more consistent back yeah, that, then that, than it is now. Where last night's episode, season 10, episode 3, was like 45 minutes randomly. Yeah, that makes sense. There was, you know, it was still more traditional then in terms of length, yeah. episode lengths, episode, you know, season schedules, that sort of thing. Curb was one of the first shows to kind of be well-seen and not on basic TV, so, you know... Obviously, that would change tremendously over the next 10, 20 years. Yeah. So now Larry takes the shoes to a shoe repairman to fumigate them and make them as new. Uh, this kind of reminds me of when uh, Jerry takes all his shoes to the mom and pops, all his sneakers to the mom and pop shop in Seinfeld to get his shoes cleaned. And of course, mom and pop uh, run off That's with right. his shoes. Uh, Jeff is here because Jeff's a come with guy. And um, Jeff tells Larry that Smokey. Not not clear who Smokey is, but Smokey got him floor seats to the Paul Simon concert. Yeah, you know, again, it's a small town. Everybody's always in the same place in the Kirby yeah. universe. This uh, this uh, shoe repairman does what is one of my biggest pet peeves in life, which is when a repairman explains to you what he did yes. in like in like all the steps. Yes. And I'm always just like, I don't understand what you're talking about. I don't care what you're talking about. The point yes. of this the point of this transaction is that I give you money so that I don't have to know. Uh, yes, but exactly. they they always seem very. It's very important to them to explain to you what they did. I don't know what that is. But what I that's think about. Larry's a bit OCD when it comes to cleanliness and uh, hygiene. So I think he did want to know about these things. Yeah. So maybe. And this also reminded me, by the way of also in Seinfeld when Elaine can't get the uh, the car sent out of her hair and so she uses tomato juice and like, she tries like every option possible to clean her hair yeah 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 so Larry and there's no specific scent we're aware of with these shoes it's just that the idea of another man having worn his shoes is, is offensive to Larry obviously yeah for sure yeah so anyways Larry and Jeff now walk out of the shoe store uh, the shoe repair store and of course they run into the shoe salesman from Barney's on the street because again you know it's a small town and you run into people all the time except that they'll never run into these people ever again other than the very episode where they just met him but um, and he sees that Larry has his shoes on the, the shoes that he's ordered and so that he no longer needs to buy them and he's very very upset unreasonably upset he says that he did a favor by Larry because he waived the deposit and he works on commission and he's in a bad situation. And Larry says that he's going to pay him the commission, which, I mean, Larry seems to be like totally in the right here. He's offering to rectify. He's trying to make the guy whole. But the man is very insulted. He says, I'm not a shoe whore. And he says, people like you are the problem. And then he sort of blows a raspberry at Larry and he uh, runs off very upset. Yeah, this is completely ridiculous. So first of all, you know, if you're a salesman in a store and like you see someone out in the street that you once saw in the store, I think it's like to begin with, it's like kind of inappropriate to like approach that person in real life. <laughs> now, what salesmen are below you? They can't not below you, <laughs> you but it's like, you know, this person doesn't want to be bothered about something from the shoe store yeah. that you bought yesterday. Now, I guess you could argue, you know, he's he's at least approaching with like good intentions just to like let him know give him an update yeah. on the status of the shoes. And what I would say is originally he overreacts, I think, overall. And at one point, though, he points out to Larry that, you know what? You did kind of screw me over. Like, I was going to get a commission. Now I'm not. 
And Larry, at least, seems to – this makes an impression on Larry. He's like, you know what? You're right. Like, let me, you know, see if I could work this out. And when the guy is, like, totally insulted by it like that, as if this is, like, not about money, it's like, no, that's exactly what you said. It was about money. You're losing your commission, and he's trying to give you your commission. This is, like, a perfect solution to the problem that you just raised. And it's totally ridiculous that he then escalates it even further at the audacity that Larry would try to give him money to fix the monetary problem. Yeah. We discussed this last week, but in these early episodes in season one, all of Larry's sort of situations, although he may make them worse with his reactions, but none of them are really his fault. Like, he hasn't done anything wrong here. Yeah. He he found the shoes. Well, I guess in theory, he could have immediately notified the salesman that moment to tell him that, you know, that to cancel the order. But instead, he, he offered to make the guy whole. So very unclear why he's so upset. Anyways, now it's Friday. It's the next day. It's 430 in the afternoon. Larry and Cheryl are sitting at home upset because they still haven't got a call from Ted and Mary about the concert that's, you know, supposed to start in just a couple of hours. So they're very concerned. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, at this point, they're they're right to be concerned. Um, it seems like they totally just got dumped. Um, and Larry makes the very astute point that, like, at the very least, they should have called them and lied. A lie is a gesture. It's a courtesy. It shows respect, which I yes. totally agree with. Sometimes the nice thing yes. to do is to lie. <laughs> but to, to leave them hanging like this when they could have made other plans, they could have done something else, they should just at least have, they should at least know that, okay, we, we decided not to go with you for whatever reason. Yeah, now I also thought it was weird that Larry refuses to call them because he says it's an intentional snub. But, like, if Larry doesn't want to call them, I don't know why Cheryl doesn't just call them, but, you know, or hadn't called them at any point previously in the week. Yeah. But anyways, Cheryl's, Cheryl's trying to figure out why they got uninvited. She asked if, if they did anything to offend them. And Larry is silent, but finally acknowledges the water glass incident, which, again, to me, it just it, it seems very strange. He might have said, well, it could have possibly there was a slight, but he should have prefaced it by saying how charming he was and how amazing the whole afternoon was. And this is one very slight thing, because instead, uh, you know, Cheryl, like Dr. Jen, uh, always blames her husband for everything 100 percent. Cheryl gets so upset, she says she's mad at him for even acting like you don't know why they aren't calling us, because according to Cheryl, it's obvious all along, Larry knew why they weren't being called, even though like this is just like a theory. Like They have no proof that this is the case. And of course, we'll find out that it wasn't. Yeah. But, um, so in in uh, in Cheryl's defense and, and her her reactions here, like where she sighs, was probably like my I thought the funniest moment of this episode. Yeah. But in her defense, I mean, like Larry is basically saying, "Oh right, I did this thing that they found to be really obnoxious." And knowing Larry's history, she probably assumes he's probably even now underplaying it. And yeah. if even well, La- he's actually overplaying. Yeah, but if even Larry is now recognizing, oh, it's because of something that I did that offended someone, then. You know, she obviously assumes, yeah, it's that plus some in terms of what he actually did. Yeah, but but she blamed him last episode also for something that wasn't his fault. So I'm totally on Team Larry here so far with two episodes in on season one. Um, so now they spend the evening listening to a Paul Simon City on their couch. Uh, Larry is singing along. Uh, Cheryl is very pissed and uh, storms away. And so that ends the uh, Friday evening in the David household. Uh, Larry goes back to Barney's to return the jacket he bought with Mary, which indicates sort of that uh, his infatuation with her is over. They spurned them last night, and he's done with them, and he's done with the jacket. Uh, but while trying to return the jacket, which he wisely does not claim the return is for spite, so he learned something from uh, from his friend Jerry, uh, but the shoe salesman interrupts Larry's conversation with the jacket saleswoman to say that he is refusing Larry's return of the jacket because he, quote, knows the games that Larry plays, 
what the hell is this guy talking about? Um, he just obviously hates Larry, and it's, yeah, no, this is yeah, totally yes. ridiculous. He he doesn't get to yeah, he's allowed he's to return a jacket um, that he bought only a few days ago, as long as he's you know complying with the store policies, which I assume he is because the other saleswoman didn't seem to have any objection. He just has a now a vendetta against Larry and is going to try to block him from being able to do anything. Yes, now we're going to get to the mailbag uh, from listeners who sent us mail about this episode in a little bit, but I want to jump in with a piece of mail that we got from listener Amir on this specific topic. Because he says that um, while he understands why the shoe salesman was upset with Larry, denying this return is not only against Barney's policy, but it's potentially against California law. Now, Amir, unlike both of us, is not a lawyer, but fortunately, he's our legal correspondent on this issue. Because he says that um, Barney's official policy is customers can get a full refund within 30 days of purchase. California law, and Amir did not advise whether this uh, statute was in place before or after 2000, but let's assume that it was before because Amir did the research. California law requires stores to clearly post their refund policy, and retailers failing this requirement are required to accept full refunds within 30 days of purchase. So this guy's in no position to to, to say no to the uh, return attempt, which, again, he doesn't even give a reason for. Yeah. Yes. Now, this is also interesting because going back even to the shoes – Larry could very easily have gone to the store, picked up the shoes, and immediately returned them. So yes. by offering to pay the guy's commission, he's going like yeah, he he's really going like nice beyond guy. what yeah. is required of him, and the guy still blows up at him totally unnecessarily. Yeah, although the guy did also waive the deposit, which is ordinarily required, uh, apparently. But uh, yeah, still not appropriate. So this shoe salesman is really uh, out of control. Meanwhile, this conversation between Larry the jacket saleswoman and the shoe salesman is interrupted by Anne, uh, Mary's mother, who is there and is very friendly, which, uh, again, proves correct what I said before or, or what, I, what I even thought as I was watching, which is that Cheryl and Larry were wrong to assume 100% that the in- uninvite was because of Larry's choking. Anne tells Larry about the concert last night. The box was totally packed. And Larry sees Mary nearby, and now he very loudly and demonstrably hugs and kisses Anne to get back into Mary's good graces. It works. Um, Mary is very friendly as well. She wordly asks Larry if he's trying to return the jacket, but he lies and says there's something with the zipper. Um, anyways, Larry asks Mary about the concert. He says, you know, we were sort of upset. We, we wanted to know why he didn't invite us. And Mary reassures him, no, no, no. You guys are coming with us Sunday night. We're going to two concerts, uh, both Friday night and Sunday night. And, and, you know, you're coming with us, of course, to the Sunday night concert. Um, Larry insists that Anne come as well because, again, he's, uh, you know, putting on the show about how much he loves Anne. And as I'm watching this whole scene, I'm just thinking, like, boy, Cheryl owes Larry a huge apology, which, uh, again, like Dr. Jen and me, I don't think Larry's going to get it. But uh, Cheryl unfairly accused Larry, and um, I, I just I felt bad for Larry on this one. Yeah, it's so this I mean, this is very, definitely a weird plot in that at the end of the day, nothing really happens. And, like, the entire dispute of the episode was, like, entirely in Larry's head, basically, where, like, he thought yeah. that he was being, you know, cut out of something. He thought that he offended someone, and it turns out, like, none of that would have would happen. So I don't, yeah. you know, I, I don't think we should get too used to there being no, like, big tiff, like, big actual dispute between Larry and his friends. Yeah. So, ostensibly, it appears as if everything's great between them, but now it's Sunday night, and Larry arrives in the box without Cheryl, which I will find out why in a second, and he sees that the box, which was totally full two nights ago, is now totally empty. The only person there is Anne. Uh, Anne explains that Bill and Hillary flew into town this morning, and it was the only time they could hang out with Ted and Mary. And so Ted and Mary canceled at the last second without even telling Larry and Cheryl. Now, that this is a dick move. I understand the, the, the president of the United States asks to hang out like you, you, know, you, you ditch Larry, but you at least give him a call or a text or something, right? 
Yeah, well, this might have been pre-texting, um, and maybe, for all we know, they did try to call the house or something, you know, if it was last minute, but I guess, you know, to defend them, you could argue they tried to do the best they could, and at least they let him know through the mom. Um, yeah. You know, back then, it wasn't as easy to, you know, reach people immediately as it is today. I, I That's a little fair. Fine. And then Anne asks where Cheryl is, and um, Larry explains that her cousins from Philadelphia flew in, and so she couldn't come either. This was sort of very odd to me. Like, why is Cheryl not showing up? Cheryl assumed that the Ted and Mary were going to be there. She just no-shows. She didn't tell anybody. I guess she tells Larry to tell them. Also, I don't know who these cousins are, how she's so close with them that she would ditch this concert to go hang out with them. But I, I was just thinking, like, I don't know if Dr. Jen would ever let me go in this circumstance. Like, you know, I don't think I'd be allowed to go to the fun event and leave her alone with her cousins. I think I'd have to stay home with the cousins <laughs> as well. But uh, anyway, no one's in the box. It's just Ann and Larry all night, um, which, you know, Larry claimed that he liked Ann, so uh, we'll see. But then Ann, of course, quickly falls asleep, and so Larry spends the evening with an old lady uh, sleeping on his shoulder. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah, not, not the strongest ending. Yes, the ending, I agree, a little bit disappointing to me. Who's who's the MVP of this episode for you? I think I'm going to go with Mary. Yeah. You know, she's such a beautiful person on on the outside, on the inside. I mean, the only (laughs) shame is that we couldn't really be friends. You and and Mary. That's right. Because you're both married, you're saying you're opposite genders. Exactly. Yes, of course. There's, there's There's no precedent for that. Yes, could, couldn't happen. Uh, but you could be friends with her mom, apparently, because she's a... <laughs> she, I, I don't know where Mary's father is. I don't know if he's out of the picture or if he's uh, passed on to the other side. But uh, Anne is available for friendships with married men. Yeah. She'll go to concerts with them. She'll take naps on their shoulders. Yeah. And Anne, uh, played by the actress Anne Haney, um, you may recognize her from Mrs. Doubtfire. She was one of the, I think, other like potential nannies. Oh, wow. So I didn't realize that. But yes, uh, Curb... Uh, even when they have actors, they are almost always playing someone uh, whose first name is the same as the actor's yeah. first name. Unless the actor's super famous, in which case... The S- similarly, uh, Louis, played by a fellow named Louis Mustillo, um, who was the owner of the parrot in The Strongbox. Oh, wow. That's a great call. Yeah, now, now I see that. But I didn't, I didn't realize that while I was watching the Curb episode. But uh, yeah, he had something, I guess, somewhat familiar about him. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's get to the mailbag. We had uh, a number of our listeners uh, submit mail to us. Uh, if any listeners want to contact us, off, how can they do that? They can email us at prettygoodcurbpod at gmail.com, and we'll, uh, again, put a, a note in the show notes with that email address so you can easily find it and send us any questions about this week, things about next week, things about the podcast in general. We're always happy to read them and share them on air if it makes sense to. Um, also, you can leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, you know, Rating the podcast highly will help more people find it. Yes. Please leave us ratings. Uh, that would be very helpful. So uh, do you want to start? I, I read one paragraph of Amir's email. Do you want to read the other two paragraphs of Amir's email? Yeah, so a lot of uh, several of our listeners sent in feedback on last week where both of us did not get the Gary Cooper sundown yes. reference. Um, yes, I think Jim Crumley wrote us about that. Yeah, so Jim uh, o- Olin Allen wrote us about that. Amir wrote us about that. Yeah, so Jim explained that the Gary Cooper better call by sundown reference is a callback to the old western trope of bad guys telling the good guy that he better leave the town by Sunday. Um, Gary Cooper obviously was the star of High Noon, which is a very famous western from 1952. So thanks to Jim for that clarification, and also to Amir and Olin, who also sent in a similar note. Yeah. Um, and then Amir, in addition to that, wrote that he mentioned the same thing as you about 
George on Seinfeld when he touches the fabric on a woman's dress. George is called a pervert yes. little weasel at the at yes, the Brazier He's shop. called a pervert yes. little weasel for doing the very thing. And Estelle Costanza, <laughs> Estelle Costanza remarks, "Who goes around feeling people's material? What can be gained feeling a person's material? It's insanity." Obviously, Larry is not yes. held to the same standard, and he seems to get away with it and without any problem. Yes. We got another email from Olin, right now is the MVP of our listeners through uh, three episodes. He also, the other thing that we missed was Sophia Loren. He says that um, Sophia Loren, who was mentioned in last week's episode, the famous Italian sex siren actress from the 50s, still going strong as Olin describes her. Uh, she was mentioned by Larry when he was discussing um, the, the sources yes. for his uh, erections. So that's why uh, Sophia Loren was mentioned there. Olin says that listening to our podcast was absolute heaven. He also noticed, uh, like I did, he noticed uh, that Ted uh, has a, a massive bald patch, which has been uh, replaced with a, a fine gray head of hair. He did not like the way that Mary dropped the clothing she was checking out at Barney's to hug Larry, and then she just walked away. So they just sort of left clothing on the floor, a little bit disrespectful. And maybe it was uh, these kinds of actions that really got that shoe salesman uh, angry at them right off the pace. So uh, Olin m- m- noticed that. He thought that the uh, the episode had a, a, a very gentle pace. His uh, supporting cast winner was the shoe salesman, who uh, you and I did not like. He really liked uh, he really liked the shoe salesman. He thought he had a great performance. His favorite laugh aloud moment of the episode was was he says Cheryl's reaction to Larry singing Paul Simon, and he uh, he really likes how the show is portraying the characters' parents so far. Last week we had Jeff's parents, and in this week's episode we have Mary's mother, and of course we're going to get uh, many more parents to come, including uh, Larry's father who. Uh, plays uh, an integral role on uh, some on uh, several episodes in the early seasons of the show. Um, and, and he also points out, Olin, that these characters, 20 years ago, when these episodes are airing, they are now the same age, basically, as the parents in these early episodes. Overall, Olin gives this episode a, a real but unspectacular three pretties. Pretty, pretty, pretty good for, uh, for Olin. Very good, very good. Okay, we have two more listener emails. The first one from Mark from Melbourne. He <laughs> says, great job so far, guys. I agree. Did not watch the pilot or episode beforehand, but it was still a great experience. You did very well at explaining things, so someone unfamiliar with the show is not left confused. I'm thinking I'll continue to listen <laughs> to the podcast without watching the episodes. Larry has always annoyed me a bit, so yeah. I'd rather watch something else and hear you talk about him. Looking forward to your future podcast. So listen, I mean, if we're getting listeners <laughs> who've never even seen the show and don't Pretty even plan good, yeah. to watch the show, you know, I couldn't be more thrilled. So that's great. I love the fact that Mark finds Larry David annoying, but hearing someone else talk about Larry David, not annoying, entertaining. Yeah, so, so we're obviously doing something right. <laughs> and our last email is from Claire Hendrickson Jones. She actually just sent this over while we were recording, so just under the wire. Hey guys, I'm a diehard Rob and Akiva fan. I was at the 32 Fans Renat Minnesota events. I started watching Seinfeld for the first time ever, essentially just so I could listen to the post show recaps they did. When the guys started covering the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, I decided to check that out too, and I really liked the first few season 10 episodes so far, despite never having seen the show before. So I'm doing the same as with Seinfeld, and I'm going back to the beginning. I'm a couple episodes into the first season now, and I'm a very slow TV watcher, so it'll be nice to follow along with the podcast you go. Very happy to have you on board, Claire. Uh, I think if you liked season 10, you're going to love the early episodes. Yes. Uh, I think Claire is famous in the Renap universe for uh, having uh, been hit by a car once. So, Claire, uh, be careful as you're listening to the podcast if you're jogging. So. <laughs> yeah. So, Av, how do you rank this episode? 
Um, I thought this was definitely a step down from last week. Um, I'm curious to yeah. see, you know, these early s- season one episodes, whether they really hold up or maybe it's only in season two and three where the show really started to hit its stride. The, you know, as we said, like the fights in this episode, like don't really make a lot of sense. The reactions to Larry are very over the top. As we also said, like there's it's just like a misunderstanding is like the central drama here. So it's like it's not really anyone being offended among like our main characters and the ending just really doesn't work for me. Um, so I'm going to say it was pretty good. One and a half out of five pretties. Oh, wow. That's very bad. So I'm going to give it I'll say it was pretty, pretty good. I'm going to give it two pretties. I'm looking at the uh, cumulative rankings of all the various websites that have ranked all the Curb episodes. Uh, nobody has it higher than 47. So, yeah, this is not a beloved episode. I also said last week, uh, spoiler alert, that um, the Pants Tent uh, episode one was my second favorite episode of season one. So there's only one episode of season one that's going to surpass that. So Ted and Mary falls behind the Pants Tent uh, among the two episodes we've watched so far. As, as Olin said, it was a little bit slow. It, it was fine. It was enjoyable. Uh, but as you, you know, as, as you said, the, the 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 conflicts don't really you know pay off necessarily, and the whole pacing was a little bit slow. And um, but I do like Mary Steenburgen, and I and I would uh, hope that we get more of her. So yeah, and I, and just like not too many memorable jokes. I think I guess when, when I'm thinking of like how I rate an episode, like the things that like I'm taking into account are like really memorable lines, just like things that like really make me laugh hard. Like that the ends should like tie together in some like absurd way that's memorable. Uh, the fights have to be like good, like legitimate arguments where like I understand Larry's position, but like understand why he's behaving like a maniac. Like those are like the three main things that I look for in a in a classic her episode, and I think this one failed on all three. Yeah. Now, what do we have next week coming up? Next week, we have an episode called Porno Gill. After Larry fails yes. to pick up a golf ball, it sets off a, a weird series of events, which leads a visit to a porno party. Yes. The porn star is played by Bob Odenkirk. Yes. Yes. Very exciting to see him. And this is this is an episode, spoiler alert, really uh, elevates small talk to medium talk. And the show really uh, hits the gas and really starts uh, cooking in episode three. So... There's going to be a lot of things happening in episode three, uh, a classic Curb episode in many in many respects. Yeah. So uh, we are excited for that one. Bob Odenkirk, pretty much everything he always does is always pretty, 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 pretty good. 